Welcome to the Next Step Community Church. I am so grateful that you're here. Now, if you're here at the Next Step and you slept in the penthouse across the street, I want you to know you're welcome in this place. And if you're here and you slept in the park bench next door, I want you to know you're welcome here. This is a place for all of us as a community rich and poor, educated and uneducated. This is an opportunity for all of us to be able to sit together and worship Jesus and grow in affection to his word. So, um, I'm grateful that you're here. I remember the first time I went to a gym to work out. I don't know, have you ever had a first time going to a gym to work out? I had the benefit of having a professional boxer and personal trainer with me. He was a friend. And he invited me to go to the gym with him. And we went. And I remember going there and, thank you. I remember going there and thinking, oh no, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. All I knew is that all the guys were putting the big plates on so I was going to put on the big plates. And that's the way it started. And so we put on the big plates, and I was going to do a, a, a squat. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a squat. It's, when, uh, it's, it's what I'm sure is going to happen for those uh, who uh, go to hell. It's... it's they're going to be doing squats all day long. It is an awful, awful exercise. So you put the weight on your shoulders, and then you squat down, and you go back up, and all that stuff. Well, I remember, and I tried to lift up my big plated bar, only to discover, oh, this is heavier than I thought. And so we took off the big plates, and I said, well, hey, listen. Rome wasn't built in a day. We'll go one step down. They're not the big, big plates, but they're still the big plates. So I put on the big plates. And then I got under there. And I said, oh, no, we won't be doing those either. <laughs> and then I put on the, the sort of manly medium-sized plates. <laughs> and I went under those. And I said, oh, good night. <laughs> then I put on these very little plates. And I went under them. And I said, this is terrible. I had to do it with the bar by itself. Felt totally emasculated until, and I felt terrible about it, until my, and my guy, who was like, if you can imagine like, I don't know, like a menudo, I was with a guy who was like a menudo, really buff. If you can imagine, anybody remember a menudo? No, the young people, the older people do. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. He was like super good. I hated him. He was super good looking. No, I'm kidding. And super ripped and all those things. And he said something that I never forgot. He goes, hey, Ed, we're here to work out our bodies, not our egos. Yeah. I never forgot that. The reason I tell you that story is because I had the wrong impression when I got there. When I got there, I thought my job was to look good for everyone else. My, I thought that I was supposed to look with the weights that you put on and the impressive things, that, that my job was to impress the other people around me. 
Do you know, when I came into a church service, I thought the same thing? That my job was to make myself look good in front of the people around me. My job was to make sure that you were impressed with who I was. But that's not it, is it? You see, we've started a brand new series, and in this series, it's called Family Matters, and what we're discussing is how do we behave now that we're in this new family of Jesus? Because a lot of you are new. A lot of you have just started coming around. Well, you come with baggage, you come with ideas, you come with thoughts on what it is to be in the new family of Jesus, and we need to find out what's really true, what's really supposed to happen in the new family of Jesus. And today, we're going to be talking about where, where we go to learn about the new family of Jesus. It's the scriptures. If we're going to have that moment where, because the, the moment that changed my life wasn't in trying to lift the weights, it was the words that my friend had told me. And so it is with the scriptures. There are words that God has for us that will revolutionize our lives. Because we're not here to work out our egos. We're here to surrender to a savior. Little bit by little bit, week by week, prayer by prayer, scripture by scripture, silent by silent, confession after confession. That's why we're here. I mean, the gym is not the only place where we feel like uh, we don't know what we're doing the first time we go, right? Moms, right, with the first, first time you had a kid and like, you know, you had to change the diaper or whatever, right? It's like really confusing. Like, you don't know what to do. The baby's crying. You don't realize that that's what babies do. And you're like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. And you need an older woman to come alongside you and help. Or, or maybe you're like me. You went back to uh, uh, college Later on in life, I went to a seminary, and true story, first semester, I go there, and the teacher emailed us this thing this, uh, of what you're supposed to do. So I read every book, I did everything, and I was like, wow, it's real weird that we don't have tests anymore. I guess that's the thing of the past. They don't do that anymore. And it turned out that there was this, um, this thing that I was supposed to go on to uh, in the internet to find out where the tests were, and to find out where the papers. I was late by two weeks on everything. True story. But the truth is, I just didn't know. And you don't know. Here's the thing. We struggle with the things that we struggle with because we, we need to learn what's true and what's good and what's right rather than believing some of our old ideas and behavior that, quite frankly, are outdated and don't work anymore. We need new ideas. Now, if that's going to happen, that means the scriptures are going to make you feel uncomfortable sometimes. And sometimes the scriptures are going to encourage you. But either way, it means that our answer is found in the word of God, the scriptures. So today we're just going to look at two verses. We're going to do it super quick, and then we're going to celebrate uh, the moms that are here. Would you stand with me as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17? The reason that we stand is because we want to remind our bodies that we want to honor God. 
We want to remind ourselves that God's word stands above our opinions. So we stand at the reading of God's word in honor to God. On the count of three, it's such a short scripture. Let's read it together. One, two, three. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. So 2 Timothy is a book written by a man who some of your kids are named after. In fact, cities are named after this guy. His name is Paul. He's an apostle. Paul, the apostle, was chosen by God to spread the message of Jesus Christ, how he died for our sins, the things that we're guilty about, rose from the dead in forgiving us our sins, and then ascending to the Father, meaning going to heaven and uh, preparing a place for us. Paul was determined to send this message throughout all the world. And he gave his life to do this, and he gave up his life in doing this. Now, Paul is towards the end of his life. And in 2 Timothy, we don't know how long he's been in jail. The reason he's been in jail is not for the reasons I went to jail. He's been in jail because he's been proclaiming the name of Jesus. And they, nobody wanted to hear it. It was a crime to do so. But he said, I can't be uh, stopped. And he had raised people up. And so he had um, this person that he had poured himself into. His name was Timothy. And so he's writing to Timothy. Can you imagine? He's freezing in his cell. He's all alone. In this letter, he'll tell him, he'll tell Timothy that everyone has abandoned him. That he's cold. He tells Timothy, bring the coat because I'm freezing. Oh, and bring some of my parchments and some of my study tools. He knows that the trial that he's on or he's in is not going well. And he's going to die. And so he's writing some really important letters to people that he loves that are both instructional but are also inspired by God to inform us on living for Jesus and looking and savoring and delighting in Jesus. So he gets to this part of the message, and from verses 10 of chapter 3, he starts talking about the importance of the scriptures. We're going to look at this one small slither. He says this, all scripture is God-breathed, now, and, and is useful. Now, here's two things that um, we need to understand. That all scripture is God-breathed means its origin is divine in nature. What that means is that the writings that we call the scriptures, right, is what we're saying is, is that they came from God. Of course, uh, men wrote down whatever God gave them. How God did this, we're not entirely sure. But we do know that we hold in our church, we hold the scriptures in very high regard. Very high regard. In other words, if I disagree with the Bible, it's not the Bible 
that's wrong. I'm wrong. Now, that's tough. That's very tough. But he says, it's God-breathed. Now, we talked about this last time, where we said, if the, if the Bible, if the scriptures came from a particular culture, then they would agree with a culture or certain cultures and disagree with other cultures. But if the scriptures came from God, they would agree with some cultures at some points in time and they would disagree with other cultures at other points in time. So for instance, we're here in New York. And here in New York, the things that are absolutely ridiculous for us to believe that is in the Bible is the sexual ethic. Do you understand what I mean by sexual ethic? It's like one man, one woman um, in holy matrimony, right? And so you go, oh, no, that can't be true because I'm a player and I need to sleep with as many women as I can. Or you're like, no, I need to, you know, uh, expect. Like, the sexual ethic in the Bible is absolutely ridiculous to some of us that are here. But, 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 we love what the Bible says about forgiveness. Like, we don't do it, but we love to hear about God's forgiveness for us, others, you know. We love that. That is beautiful. That, for us, is beautiful. But if you go to another culture, say in the 90s, you go to a, some, a tribe, some tribe in Africa where they're warring together, and one tribe uh, murdered all the, the women and children and made the men slaves. If you go to them and you bring the scriptures, they will look at the scriptures and go, the sexual ethic is beautiful here. I love what God says. We should be chaste. We should not just sleep around with anyone. We should give ourselves one man, one woman for a lifetime. But if you tell them what the Bible says about forgiveness, they'll be like, I can't believe that you would say, after all they've done, you're, you're telling me that the Bible is leading me to forgive them? This can't be of God. God can't possibly know what I'm going through. Do you see? Because in one culture, there are some things that are celebrated and some things that are not. And in another culture, it's the exact opposite. That's why many of us, that's one of the reasons many of us believe that the scriptures are true. Because it insults every culture at a certain point. Because it comes from the Lord, which is what Paul is trying to say. It's coming from God. The scriptures come from the Lord. So we need to submit our lives. But not only does it come from the Lord, the scriptures are useful. Do you see it here? All scripture is God-breathed. It comes from God and is useful. That means in your work life and in your play life, in your suffering life and in your joyful life, in your life that is boring or in your life that is filled with too much to do, in every area of life, in your singleness and your marriage, in your health and in, every, in your finances, every area of life, the scriptures are useful. They have something to say. 
And so they're useful in these four ways. Let me, let me show you what they're useful for. They're useful in what it says here, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, those four things are useful, but this is not an exhaustive list. There's a lot more that the scriptures speak into, but for Paul's purposes here, that's what we're taking a look at. So let's look at teaching. If you, oh, by the way, if you have your bulletin, inside your bulletin is going to be a thing called a sermon map. In the sermon map, you're going to find blank spaces that you can fill out. If you need like a pen or, or I guess a pencil to fill out those things, we have hosts that will pass them out. Or if you need the bulletin itself, you go ahead and raise your hand and bulletin or pencil and we'll give it to you. But otherwise, feel free to, uh, yep, we have a person up here. Um, feel free to fill it out because the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. You do understand that, right? Okay. So, here's the first. The Bible is useful for teaching. It's useful for teaching. Now, write this down. What does teaching mean? Teaching means telling me what I did not know. That's what teaching is. It's telling me what I did not know. Now, this is good news. Because when we come to the family of God, there's so much. You're like me in the gym. You're like, I think I'm supposed to do this. I think I'm supposed to put on the big plates. And it's like, mm, maybe not yet. Maybe later on, but maybe not yet. Like, we need to find out. We need to learn. We need to slow down in order to receive from God's word and learn things that we did not know. There are so many things about parenting and about being single, about marriage and about money, about health and about, and about um, conflict resolution. There are so many things that are in the scriptures. I remember, true story, a friend of mine came up to me and he needed to buy a laptop and so he didn't want me to lend him the money, but what he wanted me to do was to sign, um, you know, the credit thing, because he didn't have good enough credit. And so he wanted me to sign for him, you know, like when you go to like a Best Buy or something like that, you, you know, so that it's now your responsibility. It's on your credit. And this person was a person that I loved a lot. And they had really gone far in getting their lives back in order. And so I said, of course I'll do that. And I signed for him. And then seven months later, I, want, I was planning their assassination. <laughs> because they weren't paying. And it didn't bother them because it wasn't affecting their credit. And then after that seven months, of, I read this verse in the Bible. It says, don't co-sign for your neighbor. Truly, it said that said, don't co-sign for your neighbor. And then it didn't stop there. It went on to the next line, and it said this. It goes, if you have, if, consider yourself caught in a trap. Go back to your neighbor and beg them to release you from this obligation. Like, it was like, really? But you know what it did? The Bible at that point taught me what I didn't know. Now, 
if I'd have read that sooner, I'd gotten into, I could have saved myself some real, real frustration. But do you see, the Bible's good for teaching. That is, telling me something I didn't know. But it's also good for rebuking. The Bible is good for rebuking. Now you go, rebuking's an old word. What's rebuking? Rebuking is getting in my face about what I say I believe, but don't live consistently. Rebuking is getting in my face. This is what the Bible's going to do. This is what the scriptures are going to do. The scriptures are going to get in your face about what you say you believe, but don't live consisting, consistently. So this is easy, right? So the Bible is going to start confronting. I mean, listen, I don't know if you've ever been hurt by someone and are growing in bitterness with that person, but it's, that's happened to me. And I go to the scriptures, and it says, forgive as Christ forgave you. And I'm like, oh no. I don't mind forgiving these people because they've harmed me in ways that hurt, but don't hurt like this. This one, this one's a big one. This one's, this one's, a, 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 this one's like treasonous. This one's horrible. What the scriptures will do is they'll get in my face and they'll go, do you think that that person is the worst sinner in this relationship? The scripture will remind me that my sin against Jesus is infinitely greater than their sin against me. Because when I sin against Jesus, I am sinning against the holy, perfect, and pure God who has only loved me, only served me, only pursued me. When they sin against me, they're sinning against another person who sins as well. You see? The scriptures will rebuke you. The scriptures will get in your face. Honor your mother and father. You go, but you don't know how they raised me. They abandoned me. I know. Listen, I'm not saying that they're honorable. I'm not saying that they're honorable. I'm saying that the scriptures are going to get in your face and start telling you about stuff you don't live consistently. Let's go to the third one. The third thing the scriptures are going to do is going to correct what does it mean, correcting? It means exposing messed up and useless ways of thinking and behaving. So, there are ways that we think are right, and there are ways that we think are good, but they're not right, and that they're not good. And you get that idea not from scripture, you get it from society. And so, listen, remember, we're talking about being the new family of God. And if we're going to be the new family of God, we can't be driven by our society. We need to be driven by what the scriptures say and how to respond. So I'm going to use two very, very controversial things. 
because we just don't talk enough about them. So let's look at let's look at Republican uh, ways of thinking that are wrong, and let's look at Democratic ways of thinking that are wrong. So we piss everybody off at the same time. Okay? All right. So, there was an attack on the Capitol building when Biden won the presidency. And there were people who did that attack who you would find in a church service similar to this one. In fact, here's a picture. Jesus is my savior. Trump is my president. Now listen to me. That, that is. We are a people. You know what they did after they snapped the picture of this picture of this? They stormed the Capitol. The very first time in the history of our country. So you're going, Jesus is my savior. But you're saying, we're going to use force to gain power. Pause. Let's think about this for a second. Can we just use our heads and what we know about the scriptures? Okay. You and I serve a savior who had all the power in the universe. And literally came from heaven to earth and gave his life. Released all power so that you and I could be blessed. I'm going to follow that guy, and I know I'm going to take my power, use my power and mob uh, rule to overturn authority. Think about that. Think about how absurd that is. Jesus is my savior. Trump is my president, and I will storm the castle. Now, in this room, that's not super controversial. There's like four Republicans in this room, right? And so like... And you were the, I, I know who you are because you're not laughing right now. So I get it. I understand. So it's, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Let's all get upset about this, okay? But now, you mind if we join the rest, right? If you join the rest of them? Yeah. Okay. So here was a vandalism that was done on a statue of Jesus. God bless abortions. Remember, we're talking about correcting. The scriptures are correcting our wrong thoughts. Now, most of us, most of us would say abortion is not good. But there's, but there's a bunch of us who are sitting here right now who would say, yeah, no, a woman has a right to Kill the baby that's inside of her belly. You go, no, 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 no. It's much more complex than that. I know the Republicans would say the same thing about the, the storming the Capitol building. Don't you see? See, think about this. The God who says, I formed you in the womb. The God who says, you are made in my image. Says, that what's inside your you go, no, you don't understand. What's inside the belly is a clump of cells. 
brother, sister, you are a clump of cells. That's all you are. Like there's nothing that you can say about the unborn life that you couldn't say about you at one point in your life. They can't think. If you're in a coma, you can't think either. We shouldn't kill you. Do you see how the scriptures are to correct all of us? I wanted to use these two illustrations so that you would realize that there are some things that you need to, that I need to, that we need to be confronted about. And the authority cannot be, but you don't understand my circumstance. But you don't understand. Listen. My blessed Republican and my precious Democrat, you and I need to take a bath in the scriptures. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that is found in God's word. Well, the scriptures is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Training in righteousness means showing new ways to be truly human. Showing new ways to be truly human. That's why we need each other. It's not just the head knowledge. It's a gathering together and being trained. You know what happens when I gather with you? You know what God trains me in? And you know what God, when I get with you, you know what God trains you in? You ready? Patience. Isn't it true? We need patience for each other. Some of you, after the last illustration, need patience to finish this sermon. It's okay. We need patience for one another. You and I need to be trained in loving one another and serving one another. We need to be trained in understanding the scriptures and growing in Christ. We need to be trained in slowing down and listening to God. We need to be trained in confessing our sins without blaming others. We need to be trained in so much, being shown new ways on how to be truly human. Well. How is this going to happen? How are the scriptures, how are the scriptures that you and I read, how is this going to happen? Because, listen to me, if the stats hold true in your life, you have, if you consider screens alone, when I say screens, I mean your phone, your tablet, your computer, your laptop, your television, Okay? Your screens. If, the, if this church represents the average, then you spend 20 times more on a screen than you do reading the Bible. 20 times. For every minute that you spend reading the Bible, you spend 20 minutes on a screen. Think about that. That's if we're average. And some of you, let's face it, some of you excel like crazy. Some of you are above average by a lot. See, 20 to 1. Think about that. That's the average. 
If that's true, what are we going to do? If we're going to be a family that sits under God's word and learns God's word, what are we to do? Well, here's, if we're going to get into the Bible, we're going to need three things. You can write these three things down quickly. We're going to need a time, we're going to need a place, and we're going to need a process. Time, a place, a process. So that means, listen to me, you're never going to read the Bible by accident. You know what's going to happen, though? You'll look at your Facebook page by accident. You'll, you'll check out Instagram by accident. You'll, you'll, you'll camp out on Twitter by accident. It won't, matter of fact, you didn't even mean to go on your phone for that. You went to get on your phone to find a contact, and then, ooh, an alert. Three hours later, and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I just spent three hours on this thing. And didn't, you didn't plan for it. You weren't disciplined about it. It just happened. How'd it happen? By accident, right? You know that doesn't happen with the scriptures? It doesn't happen. You have to actually plan for it. So here's, you got to get a time. Beloved, when's your time? When's your time? When's the non-negotiable time that you're going to spend in the scriptures? When is it? Is it morning? Is it evening? Is it noontime? When is your, when is your time? Mine mostly is in the morning and in the evening. I spend time reading the scriptures in the morning. I spend time praying and in silence and doing the things that I do in the morning. And then I also spend time in the evening doing those very, excuse me, doing those very same things. That's for me. What's yours? What's yours? What's your time? You don't have a time? Hey, next to that time, put in a time. What would be the time for you? Now, for some of you, 4 o'clock in the morning makes sense because you wake up that early and you're early rising. You don't even need an alarm clock. You just wake up. And that's good for you. For others of you, you need to put an alarm clock closer to maybe 20 minutes before you're supposed to wake up. And you go, oh my gosh, I'll never do that. Hey, here's an idea. Put the screen down. If you put the screen down, you could go to sleep earlier and you'll wake up more refreshed. Consider it. Okay. So time. Put the time down. None of you are writing. It's cool. Put the time down. Think it through. Put it down. Secondly, have a place. Where's your place? I don't know where your place is. It could be at a coffee shop. It could be in your car. It could be on the train. You go, I'm going to make it to the train 20 minutes earlier, and I'm just going to find a little bench, and I'm going to sit there while everybody's buzzing around me, and you would be perfectly fine with that. If I did that, I would get no scripture reading done. That wouldn't work for me, but it might work for you. But where's your place? Where's your place? I have a, uh, in, um, a chair in my office that I only use for prayer and scripture and silence. It's like my devotional chair. Anybody else can sit, that's not true. I, I just, I mostly only use it. Today I had like a three minute meeting or a 10 minute meeting um, and I sat in that chair. Um, but most of the time I don't sit in the chair, not for counseling, not for anything else. I just, and, and here's the thing. If I haven't sat in that chair in a while, I go, I haven't been praying. I haven't been praying. I got my place, it's a chair. Where's your place? Do you have a room? Do you have a corner of the house? Do you have a chair? Do you have 
I don't care where it is. I just care that you got it. Get you a place. And then thirdly, get a process. A process by which you're going to study the scriptures. A process by which you're going to go over the scriptures. I, here's what I suggest. I suggest you get a note. Now, honestly, when I started, I, have, I, I got like a marble notebook. They cost like 50 cents or 99 cents, depending on what time of the year you get them, right? You get a marble notebook and you get a pen. Here's, what, here's all you need. You need a Bible, you need a notebook, and you need a pen. So yesterday the Lord put a scripture that I was not reading. I'm in Jeremiah, but the Lord put a scripture in Genesis, Genesis 4-7. And it says, um, well, I don't have it. Well, actually, ha, because I wrote it down, I can read it to you. That's pretty cool. Um, it says, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. I wrote it down. It, it struck me so much that I started to look up different translations on it. And the, NS, the NASB says this, if you do well, will you not, will you not, I'm sorry, will not your continence be lifted? Here's another one. In the ESV, its desire is contrary to you. The NLT. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Over and over, I, tr I found different translations. And what am I doing? I'm trying to dig into this. Because I don't want sin to rule my life. But I don't always get that. Sometimes sin rules. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you neither. But you know why I was confronted with this? Not because I was looking for some way to figure out how to defeat sin in my life, but because I'm in the scriptures. And so here's the deal. We need to run to, oh, so you need a pen, you need a pad. And maybe you need a little help. This is a devotional. This little thing, super helpful. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. You literally have to put every one of those words because there's like 15 emotionally healthy um, books. It's like emotionally healthy uh, relationships, emotionally healthy spirituality, emotionally healthy discipleship, emotionally healthy, all this, all this stuff. All of the books are great. You should get them all. But if you're, if you're wondering, how can I get into Scripture? This is a great first step for you. You know what it does? Here's what it does. It has a morning and an evening devotional. And it does this. It has a silence for two minutes. So two minutes of just being quiet, like we do here. Then you read a scripture. Then it's a devotional on that scripture. Then there's a question that you can ponder. Maybe one that you could write down and journal about, like with your pen and your, your pad. And then there's a prayer. It's super simple. Now, here's the deal. What's stopping you? For real. What's stopping you? Tomorrow, what's stopping you from having a... I don't know. 
Here's what I know. I know that a devotional time doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. I know that a devotional time uh, doesn't give you eternal life. Jesus gives you eternal life. It's by his power that we're saved. It's by his power that we remain. It's by his power that we go forward in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus has given us the scriptures. And so here's what's going to happen. You're going to make some promises to yourself about reading the scriptures, and you're going to fall and fail and mess them up and all that other stuff. Here's my, here's my encouragement to you. Don't stop going forward to having time with God's word.